Well, praise the Lord. It's, it's good to be here. I, I got to say that I... Um, there's so many things that... It's unbelievable how many things need to be taken care of when you make a move like this. I mean, it's really a mess. Um, and we got, we got a ton of glitches to work out. I'm just amazed at how smooth this thing has gone so far. Praise God. Um, but I, I just want to publicly say thanks to two sets of people. The first is just the ministry team at Woodland Hills. Uh, Deb Carr and Steve and Mary and Barry. Uh, they, they just um, they think of everything, and, and they take care of it. And they, if you see them, just tell them thanks, because they've really been working overtime in this thing. But also just the tons of volunteers that we've had. Uh, we had uh, over 100 people show up yesterday morning to just help get this thing in order and, and go around to school and pray and, and get all the classrooms organized. And uh, I'm just really uh, excited for that. I want to preach out of this text. I preached out of it once before, about two years, about a year and a half ago. I want to do it again. It's found in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. The Lord says this to the children of Israel, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Do, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Let's pray. Father, as always, it doesn't matter really where we are, but wherever the word goes forth, we're aware that it is your spirit that makes it come alive in our hearts. Without that, Lord, it's just interesting or curious. But it stays in our head and never reaches our heart and never transforms our life. So, Lord, we ask that your spirit would just flow over this place like the Niagara Falls. Even as we prayed for worship, so also hear for your word. Let your spirit be poured out. Energize each word, each syllable, however fallible it comes out, Lord. Energize it with your spirit to do kingdom work. And give us a vision for who you want us to be and what, it, what you want us to accomplish. In your name we pray. Amen. God's doing a new thing. He's been doing a new thing here for some time. And I'm excited about the new thing that God's doing. I'm really excited about this new building. It gives us... Do you know that there's, there's 450 seats in the front section here? That's why we roped off some of the back. <coughs> um, we roped off some of the back because... Uh, there's a thousand seats here, 450 in the in the front aisles, and usually that's we, we, first service. We usually get about 300 to 400 people, so that's why we wanted to kind of make it look so it wasn't so ha, you know. Um, but this gives us a tremendous opportunity to reach more people. We want to keep up with God. If, if, if God, as he did in the book of Acts, is pleased to add unto the church daily as many as should be saved, if God wants to bring people here, our job is to try to keep up with that, and this allows us to keep up with that. For about six months, we've been knocking our heads against the wall with uh, the facility that we had at Battle Creek, and we just limit ourselves. And we limit what God can do, just because, you know, last week, that was ridiculous. Last week, we had people in the aisles, people you know, with chairs out there and sitting in the stairs and whatnot. I'm excited about that. I'm excited for the way the Lord's touching people's lives at Woodland Hills. I'm excited for the way God is, is, is maturing Christians, taking people who have been on the fence all of their life and putting a fire underneath them and getting on fire for God. A lot of the people that were here yesterday morning are people that a year ago wouldn't have been at a thing like that. And, and that excites me. It excites me that, that there's small groups developing, there's fellowships developing, people are getting in community with one another. It excites me that God is healing people. It excites me that people are getting saved. 
there's something that excites me even more than that. It'd be possible. In fact, I think it's, a lot of times happens when God does a great thing. It's possible to get really self-focused. And for us just to kind of turn in on ourselves and just kind of rejoice in what God is doing. And we should be excited about what God is doing. But what the Lord has done with me this last week is, is something a little different and a little bit unexpected from my, my perspective. You would think that on a, a first Sunday in a new auditorium I'd preach about, you know, the sanctuary or giving this house to God or something like that. Something to do with this church. But what the Lord has been dealing with me on this last week, and I want to share this with you, I, I decided to postpone the Ephesians series one more week to just give you, share with you what feels like a prophetic word on my heart. It's got this kind of a, a beat to it that just kind of feels prophetic. The picture that I kind of been working with all week is, is this. Woodland Hills Church is simply a battalion. We're not the army. We're a battalion within the army. And we're given a little mission. We're given a little territory that we're to claim back for the king. We have a, an assignment. But this battalion, the purpose of this battalion is to carry out a ministry that is connected to a larger squadron, which is the Church of Jesus Christ in the whole Twin Cities. And this squadron is to do what it is supposed to do and claim the territory that God has assigned it to claim in conjunction with the one church of Jesus Christ throughout the whole United States. And that army is connected to even an, an even greater army, which is the army of Jesus Christ that's found throughout the whole world. And that army is connected to an even greater army, Legions upon legions of warring angels that God has on his side. And what really pumps me up, what really floats my boat and cooks my goose, or whatever the expression is, cooks my goose, what gets me excited is to realize that we are part of a, something that is much greater than ourselves. We're just a little microcosm of the macrocosm, which is God's army, human and angelic. And what excites me is that what we do is simply a part of what God is doing throughout the Twin Cities, throughout the world, and in the heavenly spheres, and we're on the winning side. And I always like to be on the winning side. <laughs> and I want us to, to, to back off a little bit here when we might be most inclined to focus on ourselves and focus on the, 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 the bigger picture and see ourselves as we are in conjunction with the, the, the whole of God's army. I believe God is doing a new thing. And the new thing that he's doing at Woodland Hills is just a piece of a new thing that he's doing throughout the Twin Cities that we're just beginning to see the beginnings of. And that is just a piece of a new thing that God is doing throughout the whole United States. And that is just a piece of what God, a new thing that God is doing and has been doing for some time, though we have been very slow in catching up to it throughout the whole world. And this sort of feels prophetic to me. It's a future vision sort of thing about where God wants to lead the army and what role we might have in it. There's three words that the Lord gave me that I want to share with you. They're unity, power, and prayer. I want to talk about the new thing that God is doing in terms of building unity, in terms of empowering His church, and in terms of raising up a prayer army. The word that I had on unity is this. And it's the word that the Lord already gave us. The Lord said, 
that an army divided against itself cannot stand. There's one Lord, and that is Jesus Christ. And there's one church. However things may appear, there is only one church, and that is the body of Christ spread throughout the world. And that one body connected to the one head, the one army connected to the one captain has got one mission and only one mission. And in a nutshell, it's this. To take over the world. The Lord has just been hitting me with that. You know, once in a while you, you hear these conspiracy theories. Usually they're motivated out of racial prejudice and stupidity. But you hear these, uh, these uh, conspiracy theories that the Jews are trying to take over the world. Or the Russians are trying to take over the world. Or the African Americans are trying to take over the world. Or somebody's trying to take over the world. But they're all wrong. The ones who are trying to take over the world are the Christians. This is the Christ conspiracy. And why are we trying to take over the world? Because it belongs to our boss. Amen? And he wants it back very badly. And he's going to get it back. And his model in our mission is basically this, to saturate and infiltrate the entire world. To take the, little, the, the, the battalions and the squadrons and have them in a particular location. By doing spiritual warfare to infiltrate and saturate a given locale. And what the Lord has in mind, and we're out loud about this, but if you're not a Christian, this has got to sound real sinister. But the Lord wants to take over everyone's minds. He wants to take over everyone's hearts. He wants to take over everyone's family. He wants to take over everything. I see a light. I see a glorious light. Hallelujah. <laughs> I feel the anointing coming on me. Uh, and it ain't no Tinkerbell. The Lord wants to take over everyone's lifestyle. He wants to take over the world. That's our mission. And the Lord will not rest until, until that is done because it belongs to Him. The old thing is this. The old thing is that there are some, I'm told, about a thousand different churches in the Twin Cities and there's about 40 different denominations here in the Twin Cities and that's fine and good and, and praise God for that. We could use 10,000. But the old thing is this. They don't tend to talk to one another. They don't tend to get along much with one another. In fact, there's sort of, and this, this, this is a demonic thing, there's sort of a, a petty territorialism or, or a, a provincialism. Various churches see themselves as being in competition with one another. Instead of realizing that there's one army and one team, these churches tend to see themselves as doing their own little thing. That's that self-focus I was talking about. And there's not a lot of internal dialogue on that. And the sad thing is that there's a lot of religious leaders who are invested in keeping it that way because their employment hangs upon there being this, these different denominations and different churches. That's how they get employed. That's how they get their life. And so they're invested in keeping this disunity a disunity. But what we got to see here is this. This does not honor God. John 17, verse 20 through 25, the Lord prays this prayer. He says, Father, I pray that they may be one, even, even as we are one. Why? So that the world may know that you have sent me. One of the things that the church is supposed to witness by is our unity. It's the solidarity of the army of God that is part of the army's weapon. And when it doesn't have that solidarity, it loses a very important weapon. The witness of Christian love and the witness of Christian unity is gone. And from that perspective, we have to say that this disunity that is so frequent in Christendom is not of God. It does not honor God. In fact, when it becomes severe, it is of the devil. 
It's the old divide and conquer technique. Jesus said, an army that is divided against itself, a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. And when the Lord said that, that the gates of hell can't prevail against the church, he was talking about the, the, the united church. But when you've got an army that's all divided, the gates of hell can significantly prevail against that. The new thing that God is doing, and that's one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why the church has not made as quick and as significant and as noticeable an impact in the territory that we are assigned to take as we might have otherwise done. The new thing that God is doing that I see is happening at Woodland Hills. It's also happening around the Twin Cities. You talk to different people who have got a prophetic heart, people who are really tracking with the Spirit, and they, they, they say the same thing. But it's also happening around the United States, and it's been happening for quite some time around the world, and it's basically this. God is saying, you know what? I am not going to be boxed in by your little denominational labels. The new thing that God is doing is raising up an army that's going to be united. Ask yourself this question. Do you, as you look around, do you see God, do you see God really preferring one denomination over another? Do you see God, one denomination in particular, really getting blessed and the other denominations not getting blessed? Do you see God saying, hey, I'm going to work with, with, with these Lutherans, but not, not over here, and I'm going to work with these Baptists, but not over there? When I look around, what I see is this. I see... Some churches in almost every denomination that are on fire for God, they're, they're walking with God, the, the, the baptism of the Spirit is there, the power of, of, of the Spirit is there, and they're doing great things for God. But I see a lot of churches in almost all denominations that are drying up, that, that are dead, that are just there, they're just doing religion, they're just doing the ritual kind of thing. And what that tells me is this. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons, but it also must mean that God is no respecter of denominations. Tells me that God simply is not that invested in our little denominational labels. We like our little labels, we like our little categories, and I'm not trying to minimize theological differences. I'm not trying to say that we have to call the lowest common denominator or that the distinctives that we stand for are not important. But what I am saying is this if those distinctives, if those distinctives become so important to us that the commonality of the army, the solidarity of the army, what we have in common with the rest of the army, that that gets thrown out and we no longer work with and pray with and cooperate with the rest of the... I don't, I don't care how right you are doctrinally, you're in the wrong. Because what we have in common as an army over and against the army that we're against far outweighs the theological differences that we have with each other. And if it's no big deal to God, if God says, you know what, I'm going to show up there, I'm going to show up among the Catholics right now, now I'm going to show up among the Lutherans, and now I'm going to show up, if it's no big deal for God, then it better not be a big deal for us. Amen? We have the qualification. What God is looking for. I think God wants people to walk with integrity to how they interpret the word, and I'm not trying to water that down. But the qualification for God moving apparently isn't having all the theological niceties all, all ironed out and all in a straight order. The qualification that God's looking for has to do with people's hearts. And wherever there are people who are open to God, wherever there are people who are sold out to God, wherever there are people who are willing to get a little bit radical for God, wherever there are people who are willing to break out of the status quo, wherever there are people who are tired of doing the same old thing, wherever there are people who have got a vision for what God wants to do, you know what? God's going to show up there. And he may just have to overlook some theological error to do it, but God shows up there. And if God shows up there, we better show up there. We better be in touch with that. We better be united. There's one army. And we better start acting like one army. There's one church in the Twin Cities. 
and its first Baptist in White Bear, and its first Baptist in Minneapolis, and its first Lutheran down in Coon Rapids, and its, and its uh, first Episcopalian and second Episcopalian down on the east side in Burnsville, and it's also Woodland Hills. But that's the one church. And if there is one church, we've got to start acting like one church, praying like one church, preaching like one church, fellowshipping like one church, binding together to accomplish the mission that God has in store for us. If the labels don't help us do what God has called us to do, junk the labels. And what God is doing, and he's doing it by his spirit, because religious leaders can't... I, I know denominations that have been trying for 20-some years to get together, to try to come up with some kind of unity or whatever, and even when they do come up with some kind of unity, it's a real empty kind of a unity. So what God's doing is he's saying, bypass that. By his spirit, he's raising up people together who have a vision for what he wants to do in the Twin Cities, regardless of where they're from. In two weeks, there's going to be a conference. It will probably be the largest conference among singles that the Twin Cities have ever seen. It's, it's, it's called Lelou's. And there is, in this conference coming, it's, it's, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I, I'm, and there's people just praying for this. It started as a little denominational thing, but God says, you know what, I want to do something else with this. And he has just caused this thing to grow. And there are people from every kind of different denomination, every kind of church that, that, are, that will be attending this sort of thing. That's what God is looking at. That's what God is doing. God's been doing that at Woodland Hills. I've been amazed. I've been amazed at the diversity of people that God's been bringing together here. We got people on the left, and we got people on the right, and we got people in the center, and we got people who don't know where they are, but God's using them all the same. We got people from Bob Jones University and Pillsbury Bible College, and then we got people who came out of Kenneth Copeland Rainbow Bible Institute, and sometimes that makes for some pretty interesting theological conversations. But if our hearts are aligned with the same Lord, same Savior, same Captain, and somehow He's able to use us in our solidarity. The new thing that God is doing is bringing up one church that knows that it's one church. And gets rid of the petty territorialism, sectarianism. You know, when it first started, it bugged me. It bugged me because I, I, I felt like I was preaching to a, a, to a vacation resort. Because I, I still see this. People coming through and then going. They come through and they take a little bit and they go. And I used to, I used to think, well, why, why doesn't someone stay? <laughs> and gradually people have been staying. But now the Lord's kind of done a thing on my heart and said, you know what? Maybe that's part of the purpose that you have. If someone comes and they say, you know what, we can learn something about this, something about worship from, from, from this worship, something about preaching from this preaching, something about fellowship from this fellowship, and they take it back and they do it, praise God. That's part of what it's for because we're on the same team, the same army. There's another aspect of unity, real briefly, that I want to talk on. Part of, what, part of, what, part of the new thing that God is doing, it's coming at Woodland Hills, it's already happening a little bit in the Twin Cities, it's happening throughout the United States and it's been happening for some time around the world, but it's this. And I've talked on it before, but I think it's very important. God, God is striving for a, a body that is racially united. Segregation does not honor God. It just doesn't honor God. Do you know that 98% of all churches are 98% homogeneous? That is to say they have one type of people, whether it's all black people, whether it's all white people. And we sometimes try to console ourselves in saying, well, it's just natural, you know, people have cultural differences and, and people just like to be around people that are like them and all those kind of things. The most segregated institution in the United States is the church. 
And I can't believe that that is honoring to God. We, we looked uh, about several months ago at Ephesians chapter 2, and we saw there that one central aspect of the work of the cross, one of the things that Jesus died for. Read Ephesians 2, it comes out really clear. One of the things that Christ achieved when he died on the cross was to make one race of people where the, where the racial walls and the social walls are torn down. And that race of people is united by their common faith, washed by a common blood, forgiven by their common sins, having a common Savior. And if Jesus Christ spent his blood on it, he wants to demonstrate it in the church. He doesn't want that to go for naught. That's part of what glorifies God, is when he shows what he can do, what the world cannot do, and that is unite people together. And if it makes us a little bit culturally uncomfortable or a little culturally awkward, too bad! Because that's one of the things the Lord wants to achieve. And we here at Woodland Hills, we're, we're still, and I don't want to, this isn't a guilt thing or anything. It's not a guilt thing. But, but we're, we're still 95% homogenous. You say, well, where's the evidence that God is moving towards having a, a mixed church? My answer is, well, there's a little evidence. It's happening. But the main evidence, and if you pray about it, you'll, you'll, you'll feel it too. It's in my heart. It's coming. I'm just going to tell you that. It's coming. Get used to it. It is coming. The Lord is, it's one of the things the Lord's going to be doing here. And it's not going to be because we're going to strategize, we're going to plan, we're going to market, we're going to do anything. We're not, we can't forget that. It's because the Spirit of God's going to bring it about. There's one church, one Lord, and one mission. What excites me about Woodland Hills is that we are riding the crest of a wave that is that, that, that God is raising up in the Twin Cities and throughout America and throughout the world that is just breaking apart these, these standard, traditional, religious sort of things that have been for too long, far too long, blocking the flow of God. The second thing is this, power. Prophetic word is power. Let me share this with you, kind of a, a, a word that I think the Lord gave me. It's this. The nucleus... Hear this. The nucleus of every cell... In the body of Christ, what holds every cell together, the nucleus of every cell in the body of Christ, is the awareness that you are a minister. The nucleus of every cell in the body of Christ is the awareness that you, every believer, you have been called, you have been equipped, and you have been empowered to do the ministry that God has called you to do. The nucleus of every cell in the body of Christ is that God's supernatural power, it's the awareness that God's supernatural power wants to and can flow through you to do kingdom work. And the body of Jesus Christ at Woodland Hills and the body of Jesus Christ in the Twin Cities and the body of Jesus Christ throughout the world is no stronger than that conviction is deep in every cell of the body. Are you following that? See, the old thing, and we've talked about it, but we need to be reminded, the old thing is this. The old thing is that the professionals do the ministry. That's why they go through so much schooling. That's why they're so trained. That's why they're the experts. You leave it to the experts. If you want your car fixed, you don't just take it to the neighbor. You, you, you bring it to the experts. You know? And if you want your faucet fixed, you certainly don't call me. You, you, you call the experts. And so it is, we think, in, in, the, in the realm of the kingdom that if you want a prayer that really counts as a prayer, then, then you've got to get the experts. So you call up the experts at, at 1 in the morning and you say, please pray for this. And if you, want, uh, if you want a visitation that really counts as a visitation, then you've got to call the expert visitors, you know, the people who are paid to do that kind of stuff. And if you want a, if you want a ministry that's really going to count, well, it, it's got to be endorsed, it's got to be backed, and it's probably got to be led by one of the professionals. The religious 
prose. And the result of that is this. Here's the result of that. The result of that is that much of what is done in the kingdom is of the flesh and not of the spirit. Why? Because professionals, when they're trained as professionals, tend to do it on the basis of the training and not the spirit. They do it because they have so much smarts. They do it because they can plan so good. They do it because they're so eloquent. They do it for whatever reasons. But very frequently, you're much more inclined to get something that is of the, uh, of the flesh and not the spirit when there's a professional who's trained to do what he's doing and get paid for doing what, what she's doing. And it's not of the spirit. Another result is this. This is the old thing. You got 98% of the body of Christ doing nothing watching 2% of the body of Christ do everything because they're the professionals. So the result is that you, you, get, uh, the result is that you get a 98% of the body of Christ that is weak because they never exercise what God's called them to do. You get an army, 98% of the army, instead of going to battle, sits back and supports and watches and encourages the captains to do all the battle. The result is that the, the, the world is not taken over like the Lord wants it to be taken over because you can't take over the world with 2% of the body of Christ in action. And it's not the fault of the 98% that they do that. Because it very frequently happens that the 2% wants it that way because that's what keeps them employed. If I convince you that you need me to do the ministry, then I'm assured of a job. And I feel needed and I feel wanted. It's not surprising that, that the, the, the ones who most opposed Christ were the religious professionals. The new thing that God is doing, he's doing it at Woodland Hills, and he's doing it throughout the Twin Cities, and he's doing it throughout the United States, and he's doing it throughout the world, and it's this. Life is beginning to flow through the body, and these cells that previously were just sitting in the body are beginning to feel something. Blood's starting to flow through there. You know what the church has been in the United States for a very long time? It's been a paralyzed church that's numb. Because it's, it, it, your cell's connected to the body, but you don't feel the life. You don't, you're, not, you're not moving like a body. There's been a, a, an incredible state of paralysis in the body of Christ. The new thing that God is doing is causing blood, spiritual blood, to flow throughout the body of Christ. Members are beginning to realize that they are members for a purpose, members for a reason. Fingers are supposed to move and pick up stuff. Arms are supposed to lift stuff. Mouths are supposed to talk. Noses are supposed to smell. Eyes are supposed to see. Feet are supposed to walk. And the body of Christ is gradually coming to the awareness, and it's a Spirit of God kind of thing, that part of what it means to be belonging to the body of Christ is to have a vocation, to have a ministry, to be doing something. The awareness is this, that you are a minister as much a minister as anyone is a minister. The awareness is this, that you have got a vocation. You have got a calling. Every believer has a, a, a vocation. Every believer has a calling. Every believer has a niche they're supposed to play. Every believer is a member that's to be doing something. The awareness that forms the nucleus of the, every cell in the body of Christ, the conviction that alone builds strength in the body of Christ, and when this conviction is, is strong, the body of Christ will be equipped to do what it's called to do, and that is to take over the whole Twin Cities. That conviction is simply this. Saints of God, you're the only ministers this church has got. You're the only minister that the church of Jesus Christ has got. 
You've got a vocation, and God has called you, and God has empowered you, and God has equipped you to do what he's called you to do. The Spirit of God dwells in you as much as anyone else. The, the gifts of God dwell in you as much as anyone else. Your prayer has the same authority as anyone else's prayer. Your prayer has the same power as anyone else's prayer. You have got the power to witness. You have got the authority to heal. You have got the authority to cast out demons. You have got the authority to do everything that God called the church to do because you are the church. You are the body. You are the members. This is where it's all at. The blood flows through you and it's through you that he's going to do what he wants to do. And if you don't do it, praise God, if you don't do it, it won't get done. God's raising up a movement of people who walk with this awareness, with this consciousness. And if there's a voice in your mind that says, I can't do that. I've always been a nobody. I don't have any talents. I don't have any gifts. I, I'm not confident. I, I, I'm just kind of shy. I, I, you know, I, I can't do that. No, I, I, I like to sit in pews, and, and, I, and then I like to move on to some other pews. If there's a voice that's telling you this, that voice may come out of mistaken theological teaching in the past. That voice may come out of being spiritually abused and wounded in the past. That voice may come out of the pit of hell, but it certainly doesn't come out of the Word of God. Because you... You are a warrior. The demons are as afraid of you as they are of any man or woman of God. You have got it there. It's just a matter of you coming to realize that. And the job of the body is not, the job of, 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 of the body is not to empower leaders to do ministry, support the leaders to do ministry. It's just the opposite. For so long, we've had it absolutely topsy-turvy. The job of the leadership is to empower the people, praise God, to empower the people. And the move of God that we're seeing, and, 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 and more of this is coming, and it's exciting. And it's going to leave a lot of religious professionals unemployed. <laughs> praise God for that. As long as I'm not one of them. <laughs> okay, boys, you're fired. I can preach like you can preach. But the move is, it's a grassroots movement. That's rising up, where people, where the, the, the people are being empowered. You know something? And I'm not trying to bash religious leaders. I'm not talking about all religious leaders. I'm talking about, about a certain kind of stereotype of religious leaders that is quite accurate. But find me any revival throughout church history, anything that God did throughout church history, including the revival that Jesus Christ started, and you will find that the main people who oppose it are the religious leaders. Every revival in church history has been opposed by religious leaders. Why? Because they're threatened by it. They didn't organize it. It's not out of their profession. In the 18th century, the, the, the first great awakening with Jonathan Edwards, you know what put a hinder on that more than anything else? It was the religious leaders. They are mainly centered at Harvard at the time. They opposed everything that was going on. It looked too flaky. They, you know, it didn't have a polity. It's not part of the tradition. Behold, I'm doing a new thing, the Lord says. Same thing in the 19th century with the revival with, with, with Charles Finney. Incredible revival. God doing great things and you had to be a spiritual donkey not to see it. But the ones who opposed it were the religious leaders. And so also in, in this century, the charismatic movement, for all of its excesses, has been doing incredible things. God has been working in powerful ways. And the main ones to oppose it have been religious leaders. And it will be just the same way with this thing. But you know what? If God's for it, no one can be against it and it's going to happen. And it is what's going to take the city. If people realize that they are the ministry, they are the ministry, there is no other ministry than, than, than themselves, and they are empowered and equipped to do what God has called them to do. And they begin to walk with the awareness and the authority that God has called them into. Nothing can stop them. And the third word, the third prophetic word is this. It's prayer. It's prayer. The old thing, the old thing is kind of like this. And you, you, you and I know it all too well. The old thing is that prayer is kind of a nice formality. 
prayer is kind of a nice formality. It's a Christian duty. And, and you do five minutes here and five minutes there. And it's, the, old thing is, the old thing is kind of like this. You make your plans. Churches make their plans. They write up their budgets. The experts tell them what they can afford and can't afford, and they operate out of that, and, and, and they have experts who do the marketing, and they borrow from IBM to figure out how to market things. That's really sad when the body of Christ has to go and ask them, how, how do you do it? And the old thing is we come up with all our plans and schemes and dreams or whatever, and then we say, God, will you bless this? Instead of having the vision arise out of prayer, we ride prayer piggyback to everything else that we're doing. The word that the Lord gave me on this was, was, was something like this. The heartbeat that pumps the blood that flows through every cell of the body and builds up the nucleus and gives life to the cell and makes ministry possible is prayer. The pulsation of the church is prayer. The old thing is that that's a mere addendum to everything else. Whatever else we say about prayer, the way we actually operate is that that's a mere addendum. The new thing that God is doing and he's been doing it at Woodland Hills from the start. We must never lose this focus. He's doing it throughout the Twin Cities. He's been doing it for about four years in the Twin Cities, and it's really exciting. He's doing it throughout the United States, and he's been doing it throughout the world for about a decade, and we're now just catching on to it. But it's, he is raising up a people who understand that the beginning and the end of everything is prayer. That you don't need gimmicks, you don't need schemes. What you need is prayer. And out of prayer comes vision, out of prayer comes conviction, out of prayer comes passion, out of prayer comes zeal. But you can have the best plans and the best schemes. You can have the most ingenious marketing skills in the world, but if prayer doesn't accomplish it, you may produce something that looks really good, something that looks very religious, but it's going to lack kingdom passion, lack kingdom conviction, and will not bear kingdom fruit. The beginning of all and the end all of everything that the church is about is prayer. And there's an urgency to prayer, and people are beginning to realize this. And we are riding the crest of something magnificent that God is doing in installing the people of God with a sense of urgency about prayer. If I'm walking down the street and there's a house that's on fire and there's a baby inside that house and I hear that baby crying, I understand and everyone understands that if I, I can... That that baby's life depends on what I choose. If I go in and save that baby's life, then the baby is saved. And if I ignore it, then that baby is not saved. It's urgent that I make the right decision and that I act in those kind of situations. A whole lot hangs on that. We understand it physically. But what, the, what God is beginning to do and raise the people is, is to see this awareness that things in the spirit hang just as much on what we do in the spirit as things in the physical realm hang upon what we do physically. It's not a flowery kind of thing. It's not a pro forma kind of a thing. It's an urgent thing. It's a crucial thing. It's a crisis thing that God puts into people's hearts conviction to pray. And the key to any kind of success, as every revival throughout church history has ever known, the key to the success is prayer, intense prayer. That's why Jesus says, pray like a widow who's knocking on an unjust judge's door. Storm the gates of heaven day and night. Don't let God sleep. Bombard heaven with a lot of prayer, intense prayer, fervent prayer, a lot of people praying. Do it with persistence. Do it with conviction. And the promise of the word of God, and it is a promise that cannot fail, is that when people do that and take prayer as seriously as we take things in the physical realm, more seriously maybe, then things happen. Things get done, God shows up. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will they hear from heaven. If my people. What God has been raising up at Woodland Hills, 
And sometimes I think we've been a little remiss in this. As raising up a people that we encourage and we implore, as I'm doing right now, to be in prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. If God has called you to this ministry, hold this ministry up. Not just the leaders, but everybody in the ministry, the children's ministry. Whatever success we've had, and it has been kind of mind-boggling to me, but it's been because of prayer. Whatever conviction sermons bring, it's been because somebody was praying for the sermon. Some people were praying. You know, every, every service we've got people throughout, they, I, they're assigned to do this. They pray for the, for the sermon, and they pray for the worship service. And if there's anointing in the worship service, and if there's anointing in preaching, it's because there are people who are covering that with prayer. That's the key to the success. And whatever success our, our, our youth ministry's been having, and it's been kind of mind-boggling, we got youth groups throughout the whole Twin Cities, it's been because there are people who hold that ministry up in prayer. And so it is with the children's church and so it is with the smalls groups and so it is with the ladies ministry and so on and so on the foundation for everything is prayer and I implore you nothing could be more urgent and more crucial and more important than to hold this ministry up in prayer because if we do that this, this prophetic conviction is conditional like most prophecies are conditioned upon what we do with it will we pray for it or not if we're going to ride the crest of what God is doing nationwide it, the way in on this is through prayer. I encourage you to be in constant prayer. As the worship team comes up, we're going to close with a song here that we don't know very well, and you probably don't know very well either, but it really fits the theme of this, so let's stumble through it. Hebrews 11.16 says this, and just chew on this. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Our job, folks, is to take over the Twin Cities Take over the east side. Jesus wants to take over Woodbury. Wants to take over every area that God's pleased to take over with this.